everybody, welcome to episode 24 where I'm interviewing Constantine Bobev. He's an online long distance real estate investor based in New York City. He wholesales, flips, rents to own, and seller finances his properties across the country. On top of that, he also has 10 buy and hold real estate investment properties. Check out his unique real estate investment strategies that have allowed him to have great positive cash flow, appreciation, and above all else, create relationships with his tenants. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. All right, Constantine, I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon uh, for us to chat up a bit about what you do um, and how I think your real estate techniques are a bit different, especially from the ones that I usually talk about. So if you don't mind, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, good to be here, Anthony. Um, so I have a very extensive career in education. Uh, I was an mathematics teacher for 20 years, and uh, for the last four years, I'm a uh, Content area specialist for calculus and advanced placement statistics. I also started investing in real estate in 2016, and uh, at this point, we have about uh, more than 20 uh, single families uh, investment properties. I do own a couple of duplexes, I do own a mobile home, and I also own a lot of vacant land lots. Uh, so, most of my latest uh, acquisitions in terms of uh, vacant land, mobile homes, and, uh, uh, in the next month, I'm doing a syndication with my business partner. We're getting into um, looking at uh, six flexes and uh, some 10 flexes coming up for, for 2021, depending on what the market is going to offer. As we all know, it's a very challenging time for real estate and for owning uh, rentals. So we're still in the process of deciding what we're going to do on our next move. But we sold the property. We had some uh, 1031 exchange money that we need to invest, as a matter of fact, by next Saturday, November 14. So um, I'm just that we are just desperately looking for uh, a property that we need to purchase in uh, the next week. So that needs to happen. So <laughs> we'll see. awesome. Oh, well, for start, well, there's, you touched on a lot of things. So for one, what got you into real estate? Um, well, it's my very first experience. I came to the United States when I was 19 years old and I moved into Brooklyn. Um, we rented an apartment in a six family uh, house in Greenpoint, New York, in Brooklyn. And that's like one of the most notorious neighborhoods as term of turning around. 
And in the time uh, we were renting one apartment and the owner of, uh, of the property came to us and offered to sell the properties for $186,000. And uh, we were very new to the country. We did have the money, we were, you know, we were saving and we did have the money. We could have purchased the property, but we, kind of, we were kind of afraid to do it. And we didn't do it. So um, right now, today, uh, Greenpoint Brooklyn is one of those neighborhoods that has turned like 180 degrees around. That property right now, it's worth uh, more than $4 million. So that particular move, and uh, as I've seen the property turn around uh, in terms of uh, the price of the property, it was just enough for me to understand that if I would make a small investment, that was 1991. In 1991, now I would be like multi-millionaire without doing anything else, just like owning one property, one investment. And that was like an, an emphasis of the power and the velocity of the real estate and uh, how much you can actually prosper by doing very little, just by, by owning your own primary residence instead of just renting. It was an amazing example of what the possibility. So that's what got me into real estate. Gotcha. And then, uh, so earlier, you know, because I want to cover a bit about your real estate strategies. Earlier, you mentioned the 1031 exchange, and you said you have until you have a week until you. Yes. So the way the 1031 exchange is pretty much when you sell a property and you have like capital gains. So if you take the money, you have to pay taxes between 15 and 20 percent of your capital gains. Since we we almost made twice the money we invested. Instead of paying taxes, we're gonna take that money and we're gonna purchase another property. By doing that, that's called 1031 exchange. You don't have to pay any taxes on the, prop, on the capital gain from the property that you sold. So you can keep on multiplying, multiplying, multiplying without paying any taxes. And that's like a very powerful way to grow your uh, nest egg. Yes, and so you plan to um, use that money to get something bigger? Yeah, we're gonna get a bigger property. We look. We we had a duplex in um, upstate New York, Wyndham, New York. This is a key area. So we actually flipped it without doing any work. We double our money within like we we held it for like one year. And the reason why we didn't do any work is because we couldn't find any contractors. They were actually fair and somebody we could trust. That's always been a challenge for us doing uh, doing the work, especially because Wyndham is about two and a half hours from New York. So since we struggled to find a contractor, we decided, well, let's just put the property in the market. And we were surprised that we got so much money. Uh, we, very same condition we purchased the property. And now instead of like taking that money and you know putting the money in our account and paying taxes and then buying property, which we're gonna do anyway, we just put the money in a 1031 account. The thing with 1031 is they give you 45 days to identify uh, three properties and potentially 180 days to purchase one property. So that's the challenge with 1031. It's time sensitive and you do have to be careful uh, with the time. And it puts kind of a pressure on you to be able to select a property. And especially now with this market, it's so difficult to find any decent deals because there's so much competition. It's We've been struggling. Like We've been working very hard to find something. I mean, we do have a couple of deals, but you know, they're not perfect. But we're going to have to do it anyway because the tax bill is going to be thousands of dollars. So we don't want to pay taxes. Yeah, and so that's what we're going to ask. So are you willing to not get a discount on a 
property just so you can meet the deadline. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I'm willing to pay because this is a tax bill. It's like, you know, 20,000 plus maybe more. So this, uh, yeah, exactly. It takes a big chunk. A lot of high market price, then lose that tax discount. And so you also talked about you do rent to own real estate as well. Uh, and then you also said sell a finance. So we'll do the uh, rent to own. How do you do that? How do you structure that with the people that rent? So um, rent to own is really a way for me to avoid the part that I'm fixing the property. Because like for the most part, I'm distance investor. In other words, uh, I don't have any investments in New York except for my primary residence, which I purchased like 15 years ago. Uh, because New York doesn't make sense to invest in it. You know, you'll never get cut cash flow, it's just like a horrible place to invest. So my closest investment is in uh, upstate New York, which is about two and a half hours from my home. But for the most part, I own properties in Ohio, New Jersey, Illinois, so like a bunch of states that are very, very far away. So if I'm just fixing a property and then renting it out, I'm, I'm encountering many, many problems because uh, usually it's difficult to find honest contractors and then to manage renters, you probably need a property manager. And that's also very challenging to, uh, to maintain. But when you're doing uh, rent to own, usually helping people to get into the property that they want and they take care of the property and they're responsible for everything. You just make sure that the map is correct for them and for you. And it's also very easy in terms of there's no attorney fee, there's no you know headaches to just sign a contract, and when the time is over, they just purchase the property on the price you agree on. So that's the way for me to do a flip and at the same time collect cash flow. So here's an example. So let's say I purchase a mobile home for ten thousand. Okay. And I find I find rent on somebody who wants to spend seven hundred dollars per month. So what I do is I say to them like, let's take a three thousand dollars deposit and with $700 per month after five years you'll be able to you know, purchase the property so they're very happy because usually they have you know they don't have sufficient credit to purchase the home or they don't have the funds to purchase the home so they become uh, uh, in a way responsible for everything else there's you know repairs maintenance they, they're the homeowners I'm collecting my cash flow they eventually would own the home few years down the line and uh that's the situation when it's like win-win and so they the home is obviously in your name and mm -hmm. what do you you use their rent pretty much to pay the mortgage i don't have mortgages in those homes i purchase them cash oh purchase them full cash correct that's the only way to do that that makes sense yeah gotcha. because if okay. you have a loan you can still do it but then I'm not sure if the numbers, I mean, if the numbers work, I mean, you can still do it if you have a mortgage. Okay. Okay. And so when it comes to seller finance, and I, I now that I do know you have to probably, you have to pay in cash in order to yeah. do that. And that, that yeah. alleviates you the headache of having to deal with it. You just, you just collecting the, 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 the monthly payments that they make. Well, sell financing is a great way for you to, um, Get a property that's not, not working out. For example, a property in Jersey that I really couldn't finish the construction work on it. So uh, the bank wouldn't finance it to anyone to purchase it through a mortgage. So the only way you can sell it is to sell it for cash 
or use self-financing. Uh, cash buyers usually they pay very little, so it doesn't make any sense for you to sell anything cash for somebody who's the top uh, purchase price would be like 60 to 80%, 80% under the hour. That doesn't work for me because I'm an investor myself, you know. So I found someone who is actually, you know, willing to do self-financing. So what they're going to do is they have the contractor, they're going to do, do the work and they're going to flip the home for them. And meanwhile, they're making a payment to me, to me instead of paying huge interest, I only charge them 5% interest on, uh, on the loan. So I'm very happy that I was able to sell the home. They're very happy because they were able to get the home they can work on and build equity. And obviously there are plenty of equity for them as well. So that works for them and that works for me. And so you said you do 5% interest on the payments and then uh, do you require a down payment as well? I did. For that property, I required 20% down payment, yes. Okay. And so- uh, or, If it's like it's a very expensive property, it's like a $300,000 property in New Jersey. So, I mean, I wouldn't just give it to someone with a monthly payment, no. I, I wanted a 20% down payment we agreed to seven years financing because I know it's it's going to be a lot of work on that property. They, there was uh, an underground oil tank there. There were some challenges. So I allow them. Usually I do five to ten years. That's my range between five and seven, five and ten years. And, um, you know, the interest I do between four and six percent. Some properties I could do with ten percent. The, the property is like, you know, thirty thousand uh, dollars. If it's worth thirty thousand dollars, I want to do it. Okay. 10%. You know, and I do that with, with a vacant land as well. So as a matter of fact, I just have a, a, a guy who was asking me to do uh, something called land contract. This is the same thing. Like in some states, seller financing is called land contract because you're doing a contract on the land. And uh, like in Ohio, I'm talking about Ohio. So I did a seller financing. It's called land contract in Ohio. And it worked pretty well. I mean, the terms were, you know, uh, seven years, 20% down, and it was very inexpensive. It was a, a duplex that I, I bought for 9,000. I put like $13,000 worth of work, and I sold it both for $60,000. If I count the interest, which I'm gonna occur like for the, for the years that I'm gonna be holding the property, that becomes even more. So the buyer is really happy, you know, because they were able to get property without going through the bank, without, you know, being able, and the, the monthly payment is very little, it's less than 500 hours. So I'm happy I don't have to deal with, uh, with renters. I'm happy I'm collecting interest, especially the first year, like almost the entire payment is interest. And uh, I was able to like triple my money on that property. And so I like your strategies. I like your strategies because they don't require a lot of, they don't require you to be there physically. Uh, it, you know, obviously we have technology, so you're able to make phone calls and emails and stuff like that. But you're, I guess you, it seems like you've adapted and you're not doing the 30, 40 year buy and hold. You're doing, you know, it's still long-term investment, five, 10, seven years, but it doesn't strap you so much so that you can't, you have no choice but to hold on to the property. You can get out of it. You have exit strategies. And so um, that sounds like it, pretty, it works out pretty well for you. Um, especially with the the fact that you're able to buy properties that you don't have to do work to, and you still end up making a profit off of that. It was that is this always intentional? Just in case you don't, you can't find contractors in order to make the flip happen. Yeah, because in my experience, dealing with contractors has always been a situation where I end up uh, 
in a place where like the contractors are taking advantage of me for some reason or things are not working out work is done incorrectly because I have no view of supervi- no way of uh, supervising the work and it's this is the kind of business that you know it's always uh, somebody just trying to cut corners because it's not their property and uh, it's it's always been unpleasant experience in the contractor so I oh since then I was looking for a way to uh, eliminate dealing with contractors and eliminate dealing with uh, like regular tenants where just they're paying rent or they're late in the rent. If like in, in the case that I'm doing the self-financing, if they don't pay uh, the payment on time, all I got to do is just evict them or do a foreclosure and I'll get the property back. And then there's much more leverage for them. You know, they have invested 20% uh, down payment. So I don't ever have to worry about them not paying me uh, the monthly payment on self-financing or this too long because they have 20% or they have a huge deposit, which is a huge leverage. So if they yeah. decide once they're going to stop paying, that's fine with me. I'm just going to do it again. I'm just going to foreclose on them and then I'm going to self-finance the property one more time. That's it. But I don't think that ever is going to happen because the people that actually get into self-financing, they're very responsible and it's such a pleasure to deal with them. They're now they don't have the mindset of a, of, a, of a tenant. They have a mindset of a homeowner. So they do want to own the home. They do take pride of the homeownership. So that's what makes me excited. And it makes me excited that I'm able to help those people, you know, to, to get the property they actually want. Yeah. I like that. So did you used to buy and hold in order for you to get to the point where now you could buy properties in cash? I have quite a few of those. <laughs> I do have like uh, close to a little less than 10 buy and hold, but I do have more properties with mortgages and I've been uh, uh, in those deals since 2017. Some of them are working really nice. And um, uh, a buy and hold is a great strategy because they have appreciated really nice for the last three, four years since I owned them. And that's something you don't get with self-financing or at least go on, you don't get that nice uh, appreciation. But um, at this point in, in my life, I'm only looking to uh, build up my cash flow. I'm not necessarily looking for uh, property appreciation. And so, yeah, you've structured your deals around what your goals are, financial goals are. And that's something to take consideration because a lot of people, like a lot of people say, hey, if you want to get, you know, retire from your job or become financially free, you need to do, uh, you can do mobile homes because mobile homes are cheap and they have great cash flow. And if you want to appreciate, you know, uh, you know, look into buying homes. And so I've noticed that based on whatever people's financial, I guess, goals are, that's the uh, real estate strategy that they take on for that time frame. You also talked about that you also have land that you, that you owned as well. What do you do with that land? Yeah, this is something that I kind of, uh, discover myself that you could buy vacant land and then you could just rent it out the way it is you just have to be careful with the restrictions but that's another way to avoid contractors or to avoid repairs so what i do is i purchase vacant land and they just i rent it as it is and um, usually people use it for hunting and they want to put a camper if the restrictions are allowed so uh i collect Two, three, four, five hundred dollars positive cash flow. Whatever you collect from vacant land is all positive cash flow. So if you if you own vacant land 
you could rent it and you could just be collecting on that, that cash flow without doing anything. And I, I hear some people in bigger pockets, they mentioned that they're having uh, between two and 300 hours positive cash flow from a single family home. And I found that very uh, unpleasant because like, I don't want to deal with the tenant and with the property for 200 hours a month positive cash flow. I don't want to do that. I have a vacant land in, in, um, in Newark, Ohio. They're just bringing me 300 hours and the, and the lot is like 5,000 square feet. It's just, why would I own a single family house and dealing with tenant and headaches? I could have just uh, vacant land and all I do is just collect my, uh, my payment. And the people there, they're very happy because they're saving, the, uh, they're saving money uh, for, for their mobile home. I think they have a camper, I'm not 100% sure. I think they put a, a camper. So instead of paying somebody like twice as much just for the land, I'm renting them the land and they're very excited that they can save their money and I'm also very happy. How'd you find them to, to even have that uh, set up like that? Yeah, so I use uh, Facebook, Facebook Marketplace. I used to use Zillow, that doesn't work at all anymore. Like I can't get any leads from Zillow. Before I used to be able to get many, many leads. Now it's just Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, that's why I get a lot of my leads as well. Yeah, Craigslist, but it's not as powerful as it used to be. Uh, right now, it's just pretty much uh, Facebook and a little bit of Craigslist. That's how I found it. Yeah, I definitely, because between Zillow and Trulia, like Facebook literally probably had about three times the leads from Facebook when I put um, one of my apartments up for uh, for rent. Uh, more, I didn't know that Facebook was that powerful when it came to its marketplace, but it is. And also depends where the property is. If it's a popular area, if I rent uh, one of the apartments in my house, I you know I could just put down Zillow. I'm gonna get thirty applications in one day. Depends where you are. But mm -hmm. some of the places uh, like I have places in Ironton, Ohio, or places that people don't even know about it. There, it gets more challenging to find people. And um, I have uh, vacant land in Ohio, which is sitting vacant for close to two years and I can't find anyone to, uh, to rent it. But, you know, I purchased it for 300 hours and it's the taxes, <laughs> the taxes about $160 a year. So I'm okay. And I'm selling it for 3,500. So it's fine. I wouldn't mind waiting. And is, I guess, is it appreciating? I don't know. Honestly, don't know. <laughs> I'm sure I could get like, like I got somebody offering me 2,500 and I said no. And I think it's worth it close to 4,000. So, so I mean, yeah. I have someone who's supposed to go see it today, but you, know, you never know. They want to do also land contract. That's like seller financing. I said to them, look, just give me 10% down, which is exactly how much I pay for the land. And we could do the monthly payment and that's it. That, that would be good. Uh, so you also said that you, you get a lot of your, you get deals online. And so how are you able to get these, you know, these discounts on these, on these properties, uh, strictly online? Yeah, I purchased all my properties, land and everything from auction.com. That's just, uh, a website where foreclosed and bank on properties go for sale. So I purchased my properties from banks, usually they don't want to own a vacant home 
And a lot of the homes that I purchase, they're usually homes that they've been owning for once, quite some time. These are the homes that they want to get rid of. They don't want to buy in their portfolio. So this will, this will, like I started to upstate New York like a few years ago when nobody wanted to, wanted to be there. Right now it's getting, you know, because of the coronavirus, it's getting a little bit more popular. People are moving north. But, but at the time, uh, nobody wanted to touch those people those properties and the banks they will really want those properties to be sold for whatever money they wouldn't mind like giving away uh, those homes because it was really really something that nobody appreciated and you you could you could take you like three four sometimes five months to rent those homes once you fix them actually it used to be i don't know like now gotcha auction.com so okay i just learned something new so i'm gonna check that out then because um i'm always looking for a discount especially with the market the way it is now like i feel like a lot of things not feel but there actually are a lot of properties right now that are inflated more than what i feel like they should be um especially with the fact that going into 2021 i don't really think that those homes would be you know i think they'll go back down to normal maybe 10 15 down because i try to if there's been a few times where i've made offers and if i don't you know, offer 10 grand, 10, 15 grand over the asking price, I lose. Yeah, the market right now, even in uh, in auction.com, I've seen that the, the competition is like worse than ever. In other words, people are purchasing homes. I'm not sure if they know what they're buying, but the prices <laughs> that paying, like, I'm, I'm shocked. And and I, you could probably find better deal in the MLS uh, for some of the properties. They're going. Yeah, we really have to be very careful with auction.com as well right now because, uh, you know, the banks are very demanding because they know there is sales market right now, and then they keep on uh, pulling those properties over and over again. They don't care until they get the reserve price. So, you also uh, have yeah, to know. okay. And so, also, so with all with you doing things uh, so far distance from. Um, from where you currently live, uh, what's the kind of the worst experience or learning lesson you had when it comes to doing business long distance with these uh, real estate? Uh, one of the worst experiences is my very first property. I, I hired a contractor and uh, they fixed the entire house, right? And I spent close to $30,000. And then um, I hire uh, an electrician to do electrical kit in the house. And um, the house didn't have a basement. It had like a crawl, crawl place underneath the house. And uh, the electrician showed me like the supporting beams were like actually cracked. So like the entire uh, foundation was about to collapse. And I have a tenant there in place. And I also have the, the property refinanced at the time. So what I had to do is I had to let the tenant go. Then I had to you know, completely destroy all the work, you know, the bathroom, the kitchen, the floors, and then I had to do the foundation. So I have to do the work basically twice. And it was another 30,000 on top of what I already have spent just to correct the foundation issue. So when the contractor is, they don't want to deal with certain type of work, they just go in and they do what's comfortable for them or what they can make the fastest money. So me being uh, two and a half hours away from the property, I even didn't know that they haven't even connect the sewer and the water lines into the septic tank. They just run them into the water. So they just did things that were, you know, unthinkable. Uh, and that was like my worst experience. 
However, like uh, at the end of the day, um, that property, um, I was able to to get close to a hundred thousand um, dollars as of appreciation as of today because that area just happened to they built it um, a casino. The casino world is or they built it maybe like uh, ten minutes away from that property. You know, lucky. And upstate New York has been a place where it's really, really like a lot of people are moving in. And I have an amazing tenants. They make the property like is their own home. And um, I purchased the property for $10,000. So right now the property is worth close to 160, 180. So whatever mistakes or whatever, you know, bad experience, a sleepless night, I'll be honest with you. Like I had a family living there and I was looking at those pictures and the foundation about to collapse and I was having like nightmares. And, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, right now I can say the things uh, really well. And that property brings me like $600 passive cash flow every month. And um, I was able to get um, 75% at the time uh, was the refinancing. But I refinance. It's the funny thing. Like I got uh, close to $40,000 in closing. Okay. Because, yeah, because it was a value around 9000 at the time. But the funny thing is that I was able to refinance with, with the foundation like just about to collapse. It's so scary. Yeesh. And then... <laughs> It's like, I can see why you was having uh, nightmares. Cause... Yeah, I couldn't sleep because like I could have, you know, there was always a problem there with the water or with the heat. There was always something happening. And thank God I was able to find somebody who did the work right. But eventually this guy who did the work right, like, and the next property that he was working on me, like that cost me like maybe like forty fifty thousand dollars $50,000 of losses. Because this guy, he was fair and honest on that property. Then the next property, he was okay. Now I'm going to take advantage of you. I, Which I find is so crazy to me. It's so crazy because I've had something like that too, where you know one guy, he's you know he's great on the first job, and he did a good job. And then the next job, he's like you know half 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 asses. And I'm just like, what the heck happened? I thought we had a good relationship here. You did a good job. I paid you well now you're going to get continued business. And if you continue to do well, I'll continue to work with you. So I never understood that thought process with contractors. Like where is the disconnect between, I guess the business side of contracting and I guess, or basic customer service and doing a good job. I don't know why there's a disconnect with that. It's so frustrating because we just, I need, I guess we need them more than they need us. Well, here's the thing. Like, for example, if I'm looking for contractors right here in Queens, I can find many, many contractors and I can be very selective. But when you go out like in a zip code, there is like five contractors that are serving and you can't find anyone, you pretty much don't have much of a choice and you just go with the one that is thought to be the best. So if the choice is limited, then you don't have uh, you know much leverage and you need to find someone because the property can't stay vacant and then your money are in, invested and you need to, like this guy, like this guy that did a good job on the first property, he was close to eight months in the property and he left it unfinished. So 
because he had my trust, he took advantage of me in second property. And I mean, I learned the lesson not to ever let my guard down because I trusted him for the second property. You know, I was in vacation in my country and I was just sending him money. And then when I returned, the work wasn't done. He was creating more things. So this needs to be done, this needs to be done. And, and it was a mess. And by the time I figured that out, you know, there was so much for me to, to lose and to reevaluate. So that's another lesson that you can't trust anyone just because they did, you know, they did a good job with your own property. They, I mean, there's so many things when you're saying about contractors, uh, you don't know what they're going through. They don't have, you know, the W-2 income. So whatever the money they need, they got to get it from you to pay someone else. So it's a very, uh, like, kind of a shady type of business. And, and I know uh, one guy was like, you know, uh, he did some work for me in one company. And, um, and I said to him, look, like, I'll pay you when the work is done. And he was like, no, I'm not leaving. Like, I'm going to be here until you pay me. I'm like really desperate. I said, no, like, no. and we kind of got into a situation where like, I, I felt like threatened. And I said like, you know what, here's the money. I can so, uh, and so you got to understand that also sometimes could be like, you know, not very pleasant to deal with because of their circumstances, whatever they're going through. And, Yeah, I wrote a um, I wrote a blog about um, that on my website on uh, richdaymind.com where I talked about strategies on working with contractors. And one of them that I learned was uh, not to put more than 50% down when it comes to working with contractors. If you can, really 20% down or break it, the job up into uh, segments. So if it's going to be a four-week job, you pay them by milestone. So one milestone is week one, second milestone is week two because it keeps them incentivized and then leave 60% of the work or 40% of the work at the, at the end. Because what I've noticed is what I, what I did was in my mistake, I left maybe like 10% of the work to be done at the end and they just dipped. And they're already on the next job, the next fat, big fat job. And it's like pulling teeth to get them to come back to fix, you know, putting, you know, putting shoe molding down, you know, the small stuff, you know, or some grout down, it just, it's very frustrating. And uh, that's why I don't like dealing, sometimes dealing with one man show contractors. I like dealing with businesses sometimes. If I don't have the, the time to really uh, micromanage that situation, then what I do is I can go, at least with a business, a big business, there's multiple people I can call and say, hey, look, this is not done. Okay, we'll get the other guy to come down or they usually have some type of warranty. Uh, but that's so far in my experience. I, have, I myself do not have a go-to contractor yet as well. Uh, I just got, you know, screwed over a couple of times this year. And so, but when I go, when I go to the big business, I can usually get my job done the right way the first time. It's just, it's going to cost me a, probably a thousand or two thousand dollars more, but at least I don't have to worry about it. Uh, but sometimes for something like painting, you know, I don't want a big company. I just need one guy to do that. And sometimes I can't even get that one guy to do that right. Uh, so I got to go in there and do that myself. Yeah, as you said, uh, oftentimes at, at the end, those little details, it doesn't pay for them to finish. Like even if you don't give them the 10 or 20%, they're better off to start another job because once they get the 80% payment, and, and trust me, like I study everything about how to manage contractors and I know all the rules and I pay them 30%, 30%, 30%. But it, 
sometimes that's just not enough to, to be able to uh, get the contractor uh, to do a good job. Like, I mean, I, I study all the information and I know all the strategies to uh, manage contractors. But again, you know, still it depends on your choice in terms of what are the options when it comes to contractors in a specific area that you work. If you're like in a big city, then you have no problem. And I actually prefer if I'm in a big city to deal with the property manager, somebody who's going to be managing the contractors instead of me going and hiring a contractor or get a contractor recommended from property manager. So that has been the best experience. Like in Toledo, Ohio, I had a contractor who, rec who was recommended by the property manager that I work with. This guy, they came in for a month and a half. They completely rehabbed a two-family house for fifteen for $16,000. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. And there were no headaches, no problems. There were two things that were able to complete. They returned, they fixed everything. And, and so uh, with that being said, what, you, what would you say is, was your best deal slash experience when doing this uh, online, buying homes online in long distance? My best experience uh, was in uh, Newton, New Jersey. Uh, I purchased a property which was already completed. The work was already completed. So although it was a bank-owned property, uh, it was the work was completed. And all I had to do is I built it a deck and I changed the heating system. And that cost me like around twenty thousand dollars. That was my best experience because I purchased that property for sixty thousand. I invested twenty thousand. And right now, this property is worth like about close to three hundred thousand. Whoa! Yes, it's a very competitive market for renters. And the very first week, when I listed the property for two thousand dollars per month, I got I don't know, close to ten applicants. So I was very selective, and I selected the best tenants. And the family is like amazing. They're like my partner, so I'm even see them as tenants, and I get one thousand dollars. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that is actually great equity. That's great oh, equity. Yes, I, I didn't have to do any uh, any work. I didn't have to deal with contractors, so it was pretty much everything was done. You know. Wow. That was. It, it's it's almost like you got this down to a science. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You have to, otherwise you, you 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 get you know you, you get those lessons over and over again. And I've trust me, I've made mistakes multiple times, not just one time. And sometimes you ask yourself like, what is wrong with me? Like I already made that mistake two times, not the again now, you know. And it just you have to some some things you have to learn more than once. It's, at the end of the day, you have to be very persistent. And I really like the name of your blog because it's all about the mindset. Like I really believe that. Your mindset is the most important uh, uh, quantity, quality that you have is uh, how you see and how um, how the business and real estate comes into into play. And like, what are you gonna do when the contractor takes does the work and then you have to do it over again? Are you gonna give up? And you're gonna you know sit down in a corner and say, oh my God, you know, like I screwed up, which I did, trust me. Like, and I thought, oh, I have all these feelings, but at the end of the day, your mindset is going to allow you to continue and get stronger and get, you know, uh, you, you got to be able to overcome challenges because without challenges, you actually can't grow. You can't get better. If you want to get better in something, you got to keep on making those mistakes. 
I'm making a mistake to me. I just see it as like, oh, this is the process. I just have to have to be strong enough to to sustain uh, go through the process. I agree, and I think COVID. I think COVID has expedited some of the learning lessons. Uh, you know, my business partner and I have um, was going to learn eventually. Um, every you know excuse in the book as why you can't pay rent. Uh, people that you know have to get evicted. You know, coming up with payment plans and st sticking to the lease. Uh, definitely a lot of learning lessons um, on how to insulate our business as well to ensure. You know, even if you know for vacancy. You know purposes and stuff like that. So I really am appreciative. And I think you hit it right on the head as far as mindset, because sometimes you get frustrated and you're like, man, did I get into the right thing? But there, if you do the right thing enough times, it'll work out. And I think I'm a strong believer, you could turn an okay deal into, into a, a better deal down the road. And I kept like, it kind of worked out for yours that's in upstate New York. You know, it kind of, you know, was giving you some challenges at first, but then it ended up working out. And, uh, you know, but you, cause you stay consistent. Yeah, the so, time like for example, like you wait enough, uh, you'll get an opportunity to either break, even like the property, uh, the second property in New Jersey that I had such a hard time. Like I held the property for a year and a half with so many, so many headaches. And especially at the end, I, I had the property under contract like for four months and nothing was happening and uh, I had a problem with the title and I had title insurance and all that. And a week before closing, I got uh, close to $4,000 worth of violations because the property was vacant, the grass was overgrown. It was like always those things were like coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. And I just tried to, you know, maintain and keep my faith in the land. What's your, um, what's your end goal when it comes to real estate? What, what are you trying to do? Um, you see, here's the thing, like for me, like, as I said at the beginning, like I'm five years away from retirement from my job, so that's one thing. And what I'm trying to do is like, I'm trying to, uh, build enough cash flow within the next year and a half. So I don't have to wait five years for retirement. And, um, I'm not worrying about appreciation because I don't know how long I'm going to be in real estate in terms of uh, maybe one day I'm going to decide I'm going to sell all my assets. So appreciation is not something that like, you know, I have my primary residence, which I appreciated like well beyond my wildest expectations. So in terms of appreciation, uh, primary residence in New York is like really, really uh, the best investment. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to build enough cash flow uh, to be able to have like a comfortable retirement and I can just uh, commit myself to syndications and passive real estate investment in after five years per se. So once like I already know a lot of people who are actually doing uh, um, you know syndications with like multi uh, Family units they have. Uh, I have a guy who owns 1,000 units. So, what I want to do is eventually just invest my money passively and just collect interest in that eventually. So, yeah, can you explain a little bit about you know what a syndication is and then how you intend to get started in that? Yeah, so for example, syndication is like uh, a few partners they're purchasing a multi million dollar deal. And what they're doing is they raise the capital from investors. 
And um, if you're an investor and let's say you invest 100,000 with the syndication, they usually buy two, 300 uh, units um, complexes. And then you collect 10 uh, on your investment and there are other uh, benefits from being a syndicator. If they uh, have um, cash flow appreciation, they do share with, uh, you could be a limited partner or you could be a general partner in the syndication. It's pretty much a group of investors putting their money together to execute a, a bigger deal. For example, you know, to make sense to have a syndication, you need at least like a $5 million deal because there's a lot of fees, um, you know, involved, you know, you have to hire an attorney and you want to do the syndication and all that. So you really need like a big deal, uh, 100, 200 units, a uh, couple of partners you probably usually need to raise 20 to 30 percent from the purchase price. So, we're talking about this couple of million dollars uh, of syndication uh, money we need to raise. So, if you have like 10 investors and everyone puts say 100,000, you have a million dollars. So, then with that million dollars, you'll be able to purchase a three million dollars property. So, that's how it works. And then the person that gets everybody together to invest. Uh, is it they get a bigger piece of the pie than the other passive investors? Well, they do a little better, like in terms of they get like uh, uh, certain fees, like to find the property, manage the property, to exit the property. They do, you know, but usually the way the syndications are structured is the partners are protected in terms of collecting interest before the general partners. Like if you're the owner, if you're the, the, the guy who purchased the, the deal, usually I get paid before you get paid. That's the way the structure goes. So in other words, if if the positive cash flow is enough just to pay me 8%, it's not enough to pay you 8%, I'm going to get the payment before you get the payment. But you do get like thousands of dollars of fee to find the property, to manage the property, to exit the property. So in that term, it's better to be uh, the general partner, the one who is purchasing the deal. Can you do that part-time or that's a full-time real estate investor job? If you're a limited partner, all you got to do is sign the check and collect your interest. That's not, you, you never need to know what's going on in the property if you don't want to. And if you're the syndicator, then... If you're the syndicator, you really have to be looking for properties. You have to be looking for people to invest the money. You have to be looking for a property manager. That's a full-time job. You really need to be on top of your game. For that one. Wow. Like one yeah, of my a big... I was really looking into getting a syndication myself, like at the beginning of this year. Uh, but like, I realized how much work is involved in it. And it's way more work than just managing like a few single family properties, what I'm doing right now. And most of them are really pretty much tenant self-managing. I'm not the guy who's managing properties. My tenants are managing themselves. And if I need to give them a hundred dollars discount from the rent, I'm happy to do that. So like, I try to have very little involvement get a text or email once every few months at the most. Wow. Because like, you know, like I have a full-time job. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. And, and, and I totally agree with you because uh, to automate and to make things as passive as possible is the goal. And uh, I've, I've always thought about syndicating, but I, I just always thought it was just kind of, it was intimidating because it's such a, it seems like such a big project. And um, I felt like I needed to know a little bit more about real estate before I got into something like that and wasted everybody's money. Uh, 
probably want to be a, a limited partner to, to actually to see how the process goes before you become a general partner because to be a general partner you have to be actually doing the deal yourself which is like you know a lot of variables there so i wouldn't just jump into being a general partner and you know raising money and, and then doing everything myself but okay you need to have enough real estate experience in multifamily family to do that to be able to find a good deal and there's so much education out there in terms of syndication but yeah eventually if you want to stay in real estate you might want to do if you want to do bigger deals you can't do them alone like at some point i realized that i'm maxed out like i can't get any more of this because you know, i have more this. so because i was maxing out my own potential i said like i gotta be part of, of a team where we can raise more money we can make more money but I think I gotta wait for that a little bit more, a little bit more until I'm, I have more free time. When when you retire. When I retire. <laughs> and so uh, to sum it all up, uh, I wanted to ask you because uh, you're doing a lot, and I can see you have you've set forth what your vision is, and you're you're putting action to it, and I think that's a lot of that's what sets a lot of people back, right? They have these dreams of what they want to do, but. They never step in and do it. So what is your rich state of mind? Why do you do what you do? I mean, eventually there's certain things that I want to be part of. For example, um, there are certain foundations that I want to donate and I want to be part of. And I want to actually donate, not just money, just want to donate my time. so that's kind of an idea that I have for many, many years. Uh, like I'm from like born and raised in uh, Bulgaria. So there are children foundations in Bulgaria that actually really need money and they really need someone who's been able to not just donate money, but don- donate time. So I, I think that's going to be very fulfilling when I do have sufficient capital to invest like a few million dollars and, you know, build facilities and you know, support a cause that is like bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have strong enough why, then this really gets kind of meaningless. You know, I got all the toys at some point. You know, so, you know I got the, the best motorcycle, I got the best cars, and I got, you know, I have a pretty nice house. But that doesn't get you going for, you know, for long periods of time. So you need something that's really, really beyond what you can do in terms of just being selfish and like going on vacation and you know that just doesn't get i mean it's nice don't get me wrong oh, yeah. <laughs> um, every summer i travel you know i travel this for a month during the summer but uh, my idea is like you know i have planned like it's very important that you plan like i have planned the next 40 years of my life if i live that long so within the next 20 years i want to be in a place where i can um create this value for children, for orphans in, in, in Bulgaria, where I can be, uh, you know, making decisions, how things are done and being the driving force around helping somebody who actually has no choice, like a little child that has no choice and no capacity to grow. Uh, and, and I think as a teacher myself, and, and I see students that I work with, how uh, vulnerable their lives and how much they need an adult and how much they need a teacher so growing up is you know very um, a place where you need to support if you don't have that you can make the difference in your life 
I appreciate that. Um, I think the after a while, like you said, you do kind of run out of the selfish reasons and there's got to be something else. Um, I call it kind of like the why that makes you cry. And uh, that's what keeps me going like on a day to day, you know, averaging four or five, six hours of sleep sometimes because um, uh, sometimes you got to put in that extra time and that extra uh, or that extra money uh, thought process in order to uh, complete the vision. And so I like, I love what you're doing. Uh, you definitely educated me on a different strategy that requires less hands-on because I'm big on investing in something. And then eventually I don't have to be in it all the time because we're doing this to free ourselves up, not to get, create another job for ourselves. And so I like what you're doing. Um, I think it's, it's definitely a different strategy and it's, and it's, I think it gives some reassurance on both ends. That's that that member puts in twenty percent down, right? So you get your twenty percent, and so now you they bought in, and and y'all are both have that loyalty to each other, and I, I like that. So I, I really yeah. appreciate you taking the time. It's just like I try to think of a way that I'm creating value to somebody else. Like for example, if I'm helping somebody get the home of their dreams, you know, just putting twenty percent down and not thinking about going to the bank and yeah, they have to probably do some work in the property and they don't mind doing it. Uh, and I know that they're gonna do the work, right? Because that's their property. So that makes me feel like I have accomplished something beyond my selfish, you know, money or my positive cash flow monthly. I mean, that's nice to have, but you know, the, the energy is not that. The energy is, is right when Somebody else on the other on the receiving end, in this case, the tenant is also happy. They're very happy. Like, for example, I just had a tenant, like she was so grateful that I was able to provide uh, that property right next to her house and the terms that she wanted, and she didn't have to go to the bank and her credit wasn't perfect. So like that makes me makes me go for it. It's not so much than like, you know, oh, I got some positive cash flow. Yeah, that's very nice, but you know, I want to have like this positive karma, this positive energy. Like I believe in the law of attraction. So whatever you project, that's what you receive. So it, I always want just the other person I'm you know working with to be in a place where they're happy and, and they're satisfied. And, and so so it works for them just as much as it works for me. Yes, because I believe that this is a people's business, not just a numbers business, um, because you are affecting people's lives in many different ways. You know, back to that foundation uh, problem you had. 